Looking forward to uh, Kansas being here and their broadcast crew and the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, joins us now. Good morning, Brian. How you doing today? Hey, doing right. Always great to be on with you, John. Normally I'd be great, but uh, Jayhawk Nation just lost one of our Mount Rushmore all-time ambassadors this morning and Gail Sayers, the Kansas Comets. So I think Saturday's game will be played with heavy hearts, uh, even though most of our players you know, were, were obviously not uh, around when he was playing for the Chicago Bears as one of the NFL's elite running backs. But their, their parents and grandparents knew all about the Kansas Comet. And so I would expect we'll see some kind of tribute on the helmets or jerseys of Kansas when they're down there on the banks of the Brazos on, on Saturday. Uh, as, as just this morning, in fact, we, we lost a legend in Gale Sayers. But yeah. Sorry to open in a somber tone, but that's that's kind of the news of the day, not just around here, but around the entire NFL. Well, it is, and it shows the greatness of, of Gale Sayers. And I wanted to ask you about that first. Uh, he is, you mentioned, uh, part of the Mount Rushmore, right, of Kansas football. Um, he's got to be up there with, uh, it would, would match up really favorably with anybody that's played at KU. If you just did it with football, he might be the number one name. Uh, John Hadel certainly is up there. John Riggins, a Super Bowl MVP, is up there. Todd Reesing, a keep to lead more recently, would be names that would be considered. Nolan Cromwell would be considered. But honestly, John, I think you'd put him up there for the entire athletic department, Mount Rushmore. Think about that, because I mean, we're talking about right. Wilt Chamberlain, I mean, James Naismith, who invented the game, Bog right. Allen, who's the most famous of all college basketball coaches because of all the coaches he inspired, his, his coaching legacy family tree of Dean Smith and Adolph Rupp. I mean, he would have to be on the Mount Rushmore. And then you got Danny Manning and Paul Pierce and Lynette Woodard on the women's side. I know your listenership has a huge affinity for women's basketball. I'm telling you, even with all those hoopster names, Sayers would be on the overall Mount Rushmore. So he is as iconic of a Kansas football figure as there is. And uh, certainly, as I said, with very heavy hearts, the Hawks will try to get ready for the Bears uh, with, with that hanging over the game on Saturday as, as he's really been for a program that probably has more tradition and history than most people give it credit for just because we live in such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sports culture. And let's call it like it is. Kansas has not been good for 11 years now. Even the, the 20 wins in two seasons of 07 and 08 feel like forever ago now. But, but going back – way back to the days of, of Don Fambro and, and some of the other great Kansas coaches that produced the likes of Hadel and Sayers and Ray Evans. Uh, clearly, there's way more history here than meets the eye, as there are at most places. But I, I think for especially Big 12 South-type schools that didn't know Kansas football prior to, to the new conference being formed back in the 90s, you know, Sayers is that name that everybody knows. He's that name that reminds you, oh, wait, they did have something going at Kansas at some point because obviously, you know, what he did at the NFL level with Chicago Bears in a very short window. Keep in mind, you know, ACL tears now, guys are back in, in six to nine months. In some cases, they were career ending back then. Had, had he played in a different era and been able to play longer, uh, you know, give him a normal 10 or 12 years instead of six, I mean, this is a guy that, that uh, you know, clearly would have been in the, in the top three or four all-time rushing yards list guys. And even with the small window he had at the NFL, he was the youngest player to ever be inducted into Canton, hmm. in part because of how early he retired, but also how dominant he was in the seasons he had. 
Well, very, very sad, uh, but, boy, great memories of Gail Sayers and, and the video. You know, I can think back of some video I've seen even in his Kansas days and then Chicago Bears. Boy, he was, uh, he was special. He was really, really good, wasn't he? He was. You know, I, I never had a chance to see him play, but my father, when I was a kid, you know, gushing about Barry Sanders, my dad would say, ah, you should have seen Gail Sayers. <laughs> and, of course, now as a natural segue to – the game on Saturday, kids always rave about Puka Williams. And and when Puka, you know, first started playing as a freshman a couple of years ago, everybody wanted to say the best back since Gale Sayers, you know, going all the way back to 1964, 65, you know, and, and saying we hadn't had a guy since then. And I always tried to tap the brakes on that because that's, that's a huge amount of responsibility and pressure to put on a kid to say that. But Puka – uh, you know, did something his first two seasons that no Jayhawk but Gale Sayers had done, and that's rushed for 2,000 yards in his first two campaigns as a Jayhawk, and, and that's, that's exactly what Puka is doing. And now, you know, literally takes the torch to run with it from, from Gale Sayers with, with Gale's passing today. But, yeah, to, to answer your question about Sayers in particular, having not ever seen him but just heard the stories of my father and grandfather, I mean, he was – he was as elusive and, and, and quick on his feet as Barry Sanders 25 years before Sanders started to, to dazzle us and wow us at Oklahoma State and, and in the NFL. So uh, clearly, you know, this, this is a guy that's right up there with Jim Brown and, and some of the other all-time greats, Emmett Smith, you know, those types when you talk about career impact, albeit a shorter one, as I mentioned, due to injury, but, but still an incredible run he had between 19... Uh, 65 and, and 69 he was first team all pro before the knee injury hmm. so every single year he was the best in the business with the bears brian haney our guest voice of the kansas jayhawks you know sometimes uh, something like that can uh, can rally a team can galvanize a team you know and and you know not that they're playing for you know win one for the gipper but sometimes brian you, you see that the, the team really rallies around something like that and it might work in uh, ku's favor on the field uh, this week and the rest of the season they really could you know and and the one thing that would make it less impactful for this group is that you know, they didn't really get a chance to be around Gale much because, sadly, he's he's been ailing for a while. And so, uh, you know, they're going to make a big deal out of this today at practice and, and you know, as probably something on the uniforms, I would think, on Saturday. And they'll be reminded that, that one of your greatest ambassadors ever, you know, has gone home to be with the Lord, and, and hopefully that does fire him up. But unlike some other guys that have been around, because Gale's health has really been in strong decline for about five or six years now, Unfortunately, no members of our team uh, will have been around him. But this very offseason prior to COVID, uh, they had been working on statues that will be forever uh, immortalizing John Hadel and Gail Sayers oh, nice. out in front of, of David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium. And, and sadly, we've not had a, a game with fans yet to, to really get excited and unveil all those. But, but that was the big plan this offseason was, was to have those ready for this season so he'll have his place in Kansas history obviously he's up in the ring of honor but for, for the young guys that are just learning about him today as, as they read the news ticker and all that uh they'll have a everyday reminder running into that stadium uh when they when they see that uh that amazing statue they're planning Brian as you talk about the history with Kansas football why do you think it's been so difficult for coaches recently to establish a winning a winning culture within the football program well, it's an excellent question, and it's one that, that has a long answer, probably longer than, than we have in our 
dozen minutes or so here on the JMO show, but <laughs> the short of it is we made a series of, of coaching hires that post Mark Mangino really put Kansas behind the eight ball and, and in horrible scholarship peril after the Charlie Weiss era. And uh, you know, obviously it started with Turner Gill replacing Mangino. Mangino had it rocking and rolling prior to his departure in 2009. And, uh, you know, there was, there was obviously controversy with his exit. You'll recall an era in college football where both Mark Mangino and Mike Leach at Texas Tech were both under scrutiny for being too harsh verbally toward players. And, and it led to, to both of their exits. And, and in Mangino's case, I think Kansas thought, well, we got it up and rolling now. We've been to bowl games and back-to-back seasons. And Mangino's last year, they were 5-0, and lost in controversial fashion to Colorado, and then lost every other game the rest of the way. Otherwise, it would have been three straight bowl years. And then his, his turmoil was the final month of that season. And so Kansas, I think, thought, well, you know, all the pieces, you know, the foundation's been set. We just got to make a good hire here. Turner Gill was, was doing well at Buffalo, had been up for the Auburn job, even for Charles Barkley vouching for him to get that. And so it was a big name hire at the time. Just didn't work. And and after that, you know, we've seen Kansas time and time again, whether it was Weiss, whether it was David Beatty, that they've, they've just not been able to get it to click. And uh, unfortunately with, with what Weiss tried to do with, with quick fixes and going strongly on the JC route and having other players leave the program in, in mass exodus, you know, Kansas fell way, way, way behind in, in the scholarship count. And it's been an uphill battle to try to, you know, get even in that regard for quite some time. Something that, that really, I think, hampered Coach Beatty's chances of making it work. I think I think all the coaches that have been hired had, had great talent that could have made it work. But particularly post-Weiss, you know, whether it's Beatty or Miles, they've been operating, you know, at a huge disadvantage. I mean, you're showing up to a, a gunfight with a water pistol in terms of the scholarship numbers. And so, Miles knows that he has long-term security and he can build it the right way with, with all high school seniors uh, on signing day, maybe the exception of, of one transfer player or something like that. But otherwise he's going to go 98% true freshman coming in as opposed to the quick fixes. And then over the course of three or four classes, try to get this roster built back up to what it should look like. But it's been because of, you know, a series of, of coaching hires that did not stick and then the, the casualty of scholarships post-Weiss era that have really made Kansas struggle. And then, obviously, for any Big 12 North team that you know used to get an eight-game conference schedule and four non-con games where you could really build up your win-loss total with four games in September against lesser competition, and then you know it was always a rotation, three games against the South, everybody else against the North. Let's call it like it is. It was easier to get to five, six, or seven wins ten years ago you know, than it is now with a nine-game league slate playing everybody. And this isn't a woe-is-me thing, but, but think about it if you are Kansas and you're trying to build the program from the bottom up and everybody you play – I mean, I heard the sports interrupt that you guys just played. Whoever the announcer was was talking about, hopefully we get a break after halftime and this game on Saturdays, you know, just kind of roll out the balls and win it. For every team we play, this is the, the game typically that, that they feel like they have their biggest advantage. And for Kansas, looking up at them as a team trying to build it up, for, for every team we play, they're likely a bowl-eligible or bowl-contending team. Usually eight of our nine league games, if you look at averages in the Big 12 in terms of bowl contention, are all against teams that are you know 
play it in December and January. And so it, it really makes for a brutal gauntlet. And so until Kansas can make that leap up into that level themselves, you're, you're starting out behind the eight ball as the underdog in every single one of your league games. And so that's, that's been the uphill battle that, that all these coaches post Mangino have had to fight. And the good news is I, I genuinely believe guys, and this isn't just, you know, the Kansas guy giving you a, bandwagon talk here but i genuinely believe that the coach miles is is making great recruiting headway he's surrounded himself with tremendous assistant coaches and you know while we'll see if it shows up in the win column or not in year number two i really think by year three with some of the foundational pieces he's put in place uh, this thing's about ready to get much more competitive and so that's exciting uh, because as i said we spent a lot of time on it today already there's more tradition here than meets the eye We've got a guy now and a, and a young staff around him in position to get Kansas back to some of those those great days of, of KU football past. Uh, speaking of Les Miles, as an LSU fan, I've watched him struggle to find a quarterback for years. And given the circumstances now, you got three guys in the mix. Nobody's really solidified themselves as a starter. Do you think that theme has followed him to Lawrence? Well, we had a guy at the end of last season that, that for the first time since Todd Reising in 2009, we felt we finally had our quarterback. One problem, he was a fifth-year senior. He's gone. And so now you've got three options, all of which you played in the opener, and uh, one of which is, is a true freshman that, that they really like the long-term projectability of, and that's Jalen Daniels. I don't know if you'll see him or not on Saturday, but if Kansas has a chance for the first time in a decade to have a multi-year starter at quarterback where in the month of August – you think, okay, well, we, at least we know our guy at that position, as opposed to what's been the case for the last 10 or 11 years where leading up to the first series offensively in the first game of the season, the fan base, nobody knew who was going to run out there. That's, that's been the way it's been. Think about that. You know, Some of the great quarterbacks you guys have had during, during the Art Bryles heyday up through now, at least you knew who the guy was coming in. Kansas hasn't had that in a while, so this isn't a – Less miles specific problem, but the, the two uh, elder statesmen that are competing for it are Thomas McVitie, who Miles actually recruited when he was at LSU before McVitie initially picked Pittsburgh to start his career, and then uh, you know, the, the other situation is young man in Miles Kendrick, who is talented but not the guy that passes the eyeball test in terms of measurables or speed or anything like that. He didn't have much attention coming out of the JC ranks in California. Uh, did not have any other major conference offers. And so when you see him, you, you won't be wowed. And yet he has a knack for making plays and, and did so versus Coastal Carolina, especially after McVitie went down with a shoulder injury. Now they're hopeful to have McVitie back, but uh, just because he's the one with the, the higher ranking and a number eight dual threat quarterback coming out of high school and all that, it uh, doesn't guarantee that he's going to get more snaps. They truly went into game one expecting to play both an even amount. And it wasn't until McVitie went out with the injury that, that Miles Kendrick really pulled in front. So it's, it's a weird situation to be this deep into September and, and not really have a handle on, on who the guy is. But I think all three of the guys I just mentioned showed us something in game one. And certainly we're looking forward to, to seeing a larger sample size and hopefully have one emerge because they don't want to have to play too, too deep into the season. But right now that's where they're at with no spring practice at all for Kansas. We were one of the schools that hadn't begun yet when COVID hit. An abbreviated preseason, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because you guys get to play a game. <laughs> Same so I'm, here, yeah. I'm certainly aware of that. <laughs> but, but when 
when you're trying to break in a new quarterback, obviously to, to lose all that practice time, put them in a situation where they have to play two for probably the first month of the season to truly get a handle on what they have. Brian, final thought, uh, Garrett mentioned uh, Les Miles' time at LSU. Part of his last staff there was Dave Aranda as his defensive coordinator, now yeah. Coach Aranda here in Waco. What uh, what do you think about that uh, sidebar to this matchup, Coach Aranda in his Baylor coaching debut against Les Miles? Yeah, I believe he hired him in, in January heading into his last season there. And uh, we're going to talk about it tonight on Hawk Talk and, and really get some thoughts from Coach, uh, Coach Aranda. But I, I did ask him last week, prior to the, the bye week about coach and he had nothing but, but glowing things to say of his talent and the job he thought he'd do at Baylor. So I look forward to having you know more of an actual quote to put on that when I see you on Saturday, but it is a great connection there. And uh, certainly, you know, coach miles, we talked about fog Allen's coaching tree coach miles isn't fog Allen like, but, but he has had a chance to be around some really great ones and help to, uh, to guide some, but at that point in, Coach Aranda's career, he was his own man, and, and uh, they worked together very briefly. But clearly, Miles thought a lot of him to give him that opportunity, and, and obviously, uh, you know, we think a lot of our guy, too. So it's going to be two great coaches uh, reuniting on Saturday, and, and hopefully a better football game than, than what many are forecasting, including that Sports Center update that I referenced earlier. But we'll see. You never know. We, we obviously got off to a slow start versus Coastal, as we've been doing in recent seasons. Uh, and that, that's got to be the biggest key for Kansas and Coach Miles' team is to start faster. They, they have, for 10 years, been spotting the opposition 14, 21, 28 points. I remember my first trip down there to uh, McLean Stadium. I think we were down 42 to nothing at the half. Oh. And, and I'm, turn, I'm turning to my uh, sideline guy, my color analyst as the play-by-play guy, and saying, okay, guys, my broadcast mentor, Tom Hedrick, said, the game can be bad. You can't be. Find ways to manufacture something entertaining and engaging, even in a bad game. And so we were talking about the 23 native Texans on the Kansas roster right. and their parents were in Section 242 and all that. But my point is, we've been in some absolute knockdown, dragout blowouts uh, against you guys, particularly down there. And it's because we've not started fast. And then we've been forced to just fill dead air for 90 minutes in the second half. I'm hopeful Kansas can, can hit the ground running with an offensive coordinator and Brent Dearman that I think will impress you. We just got to get it to click at the quarterback position. And if it does, and we can match you guys drive to drive early, hopefully Saturday turns out to be a surprisingly competitive game. But uh, for now, I understand why the, the prognosticators say what they say, but maybe just maybe uh, with Baylor having to play for the first time all year and Kansas with a little bit more, uh, you know, the sample size of what they got, maybe that makes Saturday more compelling than folks are giving it credit for. I think it will be. Hey, man, I appreciate the time. Thanks very much. Y'all travel safe, and uh, we will see you on Saturday at the stadium. Yeah, thank, thanks for the additional time on Gale. I, I appreciate that. Oh, it's it's yeah. obviously a huge story up here, so thanks for making time for us on that. You know, it's a big story here, too. It really is. So thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. All right. That, that's Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks.